Chapter 13 Organisms and Population Ecology is a subject which studies the interaction among organisms and between the organism and its physical abiotic environment. Ecology is basically concerned with four levels of biological organization organisms, population, communities and biome. In this chapter we will explore ecology at organismic and population levels. 13.1 Organism and its Environment Ecology at the organic level essentially physiological ecology which tries to understand how different organisms are adapted to their environments in their terms of not only survival but also reproduction. You may have learned in earlier classes how the rotation of our planet around the sun and the tilt of its axis cause annual variation in the intensity and duration of temperature resulting in distinct seasons. These variations together with annual variation in precipitation, remember precipitation includes both rain and snow, account for the formation of major biomes such as desert, rainforest and tundra. Regional and local variation within each biome leads to formation of wide variety of habitats. Major biomes of India are shown in figure 13.2 of the NCRT. On planet Earth, life exists not just in few favorable habitats but also in extreme and harsh habitat, the scorching Rajasthan desert, rain-soaked Meghalaya forests, deep ocean trenches, rotential streams, permafrost, slow-laden polar regions, high mountain tops, thermal springs, and Stiking composite pets, to name a few. Even the intestine is a unique habitat for hundreds of species of microbes. What are the key elements that lead for so much variation, physical and chemical condition of different habitats? The most important ones are temperature, water, light, and soil. We must remember that the physio chemical abiotic components alone do not characterize the habitat of an organism completely. The habitat includes abiotic and biotic components both. For the biotic components, pathogen, parasites, predators and competitors of the organism which they interact constantly. We assume that over a period of time, the organism had through natural selection, evolved adaptation to optimize its survival and reproduction in its habitat. Each organism has an invariable defined range of conditions that it can tolerate, diversity in the resources it utilizes, and distinct functional role in the ecological system. All these together comprise its niche. 13.1.1 Major Abiotic Factors First, Temperature Temperature is the most important ecological relevant environmental factor. You are aware that the average temperature and on land varies seasonally, decreases progressively from the equator towards the pole and from plain to the mountain tops. Ranges from sub-zero levels in polar areas and high altitude to greater than 50 degrees Celsius in tropical desert in summer. There are, however, unique habitats such as thermal spring and deep sea hydrothermal vents where average temperature exceed 100 degrees Celsius. It is general knowledge to them that mango tree do not and cannot in temperate cannot grow in temperate 
countries like Canada and Germany. Snow leopards are not found in Kerala forest and tuna fish are rarely caught beyond the tropical latitude on the Asian. You can appreciate the significance of temperature to living organism when you realize that it affects the kinetics of the enzymes and through it the metabolic activity and the physiological functions of the organisms. A few for organisms can tolerate and thrive wide range of temperature. They are called urethermal. But a vast majority of them are restricted to a narrow range of temperatures such as the organism's stenothermals. The level of the thermal tolerance of different species determine the large extent their geographical distribution. In recent years, there has been growing concern about the gradual increasing average global temperature. Second, water. Water is another the most important factor influencing the life of organisms. In fact, life on earth originated in water and is unsustainably without water. Its availability is so limited in deserts that only special adaptation make it possible for organism to live there. The productivity and distribution of plant in all is also heavily dependent on water. You might think that organisms living in ocean, lakes and river should not face any water related problems, but it's not true. For aquatic organisms, the quality chemical composition pH of water becomes important. The salt concentration measured in the salinity in parts per thousand is less than 5 in inland water, 30 to 35 in sea and more than 100 in some hypersaline lagoons. Some organisms are tolerant to wide range of salinities. They are called urihaline but others are restricted to a narrow range. They are called stenohaline. Many freshwater animals cannot live for a long in sea water and vice versa because of the osmotic problems they would face. Third, light. Since plants produce food through photosynthesis, a process which is only possible when sunlight is available as the source of energy, we can quickly understand the importance of light for living organisms, particularly autotrophs. Many species of plant animals, small plants, herbs and shrubs growing in forest are adapted to photosynthesis, photosynthesize optimally under very low light condition because they are constantly overshadowed by tall canopy trees. Many plants are also dependent on sunlight to meet their photoperiodic requirement for flowering. For many animals too, light is important in that they use the diurnal and seasonal variation in light, intensity and duration photoperiod as cues for time of their foraging, reproductive and migratory activities. The availability of light on both land is closely linked with that of temperature since the sun is source of both. But deep more than 500 meters in the ocean the environment is dark and the inhabitants are not aware of the existence of this celestial source of energy called sun. The spectral quality of solar radiation is also important for life. The UV component of the spectrum is harmful to many organisms while not at all the color component of the visible spectrum are available for marine plants living in at different depths of the ocean. Among the red, green and brown algae, the red algae is the one which is found at the deepest part of the sea. Fourth, soil. 
the nature and properties of the soil in different places vary it is dependent on the climate the weathering process whether the soil is transported or sedimented and how soil development occurred various characteristics of the soil such as soil composition grain size and aggregation determines the percolation and water holding capacity of the soils these characteristics along the parameter such as ph mineral composition and topography determine to a large extent the vegetation in many areas this in turn dictates the type of animal that can be supported similarly in the aquatic environment the sediment characteristics often determine the type of benthic animals that can thrive there 13.1.2 response to abiotic factors having realized that the abiotic conditions of many habitats may vary drastically in time we now ask how do the organism living in such habitats cope or manage with stressful conditions but before attempting to answer this question we should perhaps ask first why a highly variable external environment should bother organisms after all one would expect that during the course of million years of their existence many species would have evolved a relatively constant internal within the body environment and that permits all biochemical reaction and physiological functions to proceed with the maximal efficiency and thus enhance the overall fitness of the species this constancy for example could be in terms of optimal temperature and osmotic concentration of the blood fluids ideally then the organism should try to maintain the constancy of its internal environment a process called homeostasis despite varying external environment condition that tend to be upset its homeostasis let us take an analogy to clarify this important concept suppose a person is able to perform his or her best at a temperature of 25 degrees celsius and wishes to maintain it so when even when it's cold or it's scorching heat outside it could be achieved at home in the car while traveling and at the workplace by using air conditioner in summer and heater in winter then his or her performance would always be maximal regardless of the weather around him or her here the person's homeostasis is accomplished not through physiological but artificial means how do the other organism cope up with the situation let us look and read or i should say listen the various possibilities first regulate some organisms are able to maintain homeostasis by physiological sometimes behavioral also means which ensures constant body temperature constant osmotic concentration etc all birds and mammals and a few lower vertebrates and invertebrate species are indeed capable of such regulation thermoregulation and osmoregulation evolutionary biologists believe that the success of mammals is largely due to the ability to maintain its constant body temperature and thrive whether they live in arctica or in sahara desert the mechanism used by most of the mammals to regulate their body temperature are similar to the ones that we human use we maintain the constant body temperature of 37 degrees celsius in summer when the outside temperature is more than our body temperature we sweat profusely the resulting evaporative cooling similar to what happens with the desert, desert cooler in operation brings down the body temperature in winter when the temperature is much lower than 37 degrees celsius we start to shiver 
a kind of exercise which produces heat and raises the body temperature. Plants, on the other hand, do not have such mechanism to maintain their internal temperature. Second, conforms. A overwhelming majority, 99% of animals and nearly all plants, cannot maintain a constant internal temperature or environment. Their body temperature changes with the ambient temperature. In aquatic animals, the osmotic concentration of the body fluids change with the ambient water osmotic concentration. These animals and plants are simply conformers. Considering the benefits of a constant internal environment to the organism, we must ask why these conformers had not evolved to become regulators. Recall the human analogy we used above. Much as they like, how many people can really afford an air conditioner? Many simply sweat it out and resign themselves to the suboptimal performance in hot summer months. Thermoregulation is energetically expensive for many humans. This is particularly true reason for the small animals like shrews and hummingbirds. Heat loss or heat gain is a function of surface area. Since small animals have a larger surface area relative to their volume, they tend to lose body heat very fast when it's cold outside. Then they have to expend much energy to generate body heat through metabolism. This is the main reason why very small animals are rarely found in polar region. During the course of evolution, the costs and the benefits of maintaining a constant internal environment are taken into consideration. Some species have evolved the ability to regulate, but not over a limited range of environmental condition, but beyond which they simply confirm. If the stressful external conditions are localized or remain only for a short duration, the organism has two other alternatives for survival. Third, migrate. The organism can move away temporarily from the stressful habitat to a more hospitable area return when stressful period is over. In human analogy, this strategy is like a person moving from Delhi to Shimla for a duration of summer. Many animals, particularly birds, during winter undertake long distances migration to more hospitable areas. Every winter in famous Kolar Lado National Park, Bharatpur in Rajasthan, host thousands of migratory birds coming from Siberia and other extremely cold northern regions. Fourth, suspend. In bacteria, fungi and lower plants, weird kind of thick walled spores are formed which help them to survive unfavorable conditions. These germinate on availability of suitable environment. In higher plants, Seeds and some other vegetative reproductive structures serve as the means to tide over period of stress besides helping in dispersal. They determine to form new plants under favorable moisture and temperature conditions. They do so by reducing their metabolic activity and going in the state of dormancy. In animals, the organism, if unable to migrate, might avoid the stress by escaping in time. The familiar case of bears going into hibernation during winter is an example of escape in time. Some snails and fish go into estivation to avoid summer-related problems, heat and desiccation. Under unfavorable conditions, Many zooplankton species in lake and ponds are known to enter diapause, a stage of suspended development.
13.1.3 Adaptations While considering the various alternatives available to organism for coping with extremes in their environment, we have seen this that some are able to respond through certain physiological adjustments while others do so behaviorally, migrating temporarily to less stressful habitat, for example. These responses are also actually their adaptations. So we can say that adaptation is an any attribute of the organism morphologically, physiologically, behavioral that enables the organism to survive and reproduce in its habitat. Many adaptations have evolved over a long evolutionary time and are genetically fixed. In the absence of external source of water, the kangaroo rat in northern American desert is capable of meeting all its water requirement through its internal fat oxidation, which water is produced as the water requirement through its internal fat oxidation. It also has the availability to concentrate its urine so that minimal volume of water is used to remove excretory products. Many desert plants have a thick cuticle on their leaves surface and have their stomata arranged in deep pits sunken to minimize water loss through transportation and transpiration. They also have a special photosynthetic pathway CAM that enables their stomata to in- remain closed during daytime. Some desert plants like Opuntia have no leaves. They are reduced to spines and the photosynthetic function is taken over by the flattened stems. Mammals from colder climates generally have shorter ears and limbs to minimize heat loss. This is called the Allen's rule. In the polar seas, aquatic mammals like seal have a thick layer of fat blubber below their skin and that acts as an insulator and reduces body heat loss. Some organisms possess adaptation that are physiological which allow them to respond quickly to a stressful situation. If you have ever been to an high altitude place that is more than 3500 meter like places near Rotang Pass near Manali and Lehe, you must have experienced what is called altitude sickness. Its symptoms include nausea, fatigue and heart palpitations. This is because in the low atmospheric pressure of high altitude, our body does not get enough oxygen. But gradually, you get acclimatized and stop experiencing altitude sickness. How did your body solve the problem? The body compensates low oxygen availability by increasing RBC, red blood cell production. Decreasing the binding affinity of hemoglobin and by increasing breathing rate. In most animals, the metabolic reaction and hence all the physiological functions proceed optimally in a narrow temperature range. In humans, it is 37 degrees Celsius. But there are microbes, archaebacteria, that flourish in hot springs and deep sea hydrothermal vents where temperature far exceeds 100 degrees Celsius. Many fishes thrive in Antarctic water 
where the temperature is always below zero. A large variety of marine invertebrates and fish live at great depths in the ocean where the pressure could be more than 100 times the normal atmospheric pressure that we experience. Organisms living in such extreme environments show a fascinating array of biochemical adaptation. Some organisms show behavioral response to cope up with the variation in their environment. Desert lizards lack the physiological ability that mammals have to deal with high temperature of their habitat, but manage to keep their body temperature fairly constant by behavior means. They bask in the sun and absorb heat when their body temperature drops below the comfort zone, but moves to the shade when the ambient temperature starts increasing. Some species are capable of burrowing into the land to hide and escape from the above ground heat. 13.2.1 Population Attributes In nature, we rarely find isolated single individuals of any species. Majority of them live in groups in a well-developed geographical area share or compete for similar resources, potentially interbreed, and thus constitute a population. Although the term interbreeding implies sexual reproduction, a group of individuals resulting from even asexual reproduction is also generally considered as a population for the purpose of ecological studies. All the cormorants in a wetland Rats in an abundant dwelling, teakwood trees in a forest tract, bacteria in a culture plate, and lotus plants in a pond are some examples of population. In ch earlier chapter, you have learned that although an individual organism is the one that has to cope up with the changed environment, it is at the population level that natural selection operates to involve the desired traits. Population ecology is therefore an important area because it links ecology to population genetics and evolution. A population has certain attributes whereas an individual organism does not. An individual may have births and deaths but the population has birth rates and death rates. In a population, these rates refer to per capita births and deaths. The rates hence expressed are the change in numbers, that is increase or decrease, with respect to the members of the population. Here is an example. If in a pond there were 20 lotus plants last year, and through production, 8 new plants are added, taking the current population to 28. We calculate the birth rate at 8 by 20 is equal to, to 0.4 offsprings per lotus per year. If 4 individuals in a laboratory population of 40 fluid flies died during a specified time interval, say a week, the death rate in the population during that period is 4 by 40 is equal to 0.1 individuals per fruit fly per week. Another attribute characteristic of a population is sex ratio. An individual is either a male or a female, but a population has a sex ratio. Example, 60% of population are females and 40% males. A population at any given time is composed of individuals of different ages. If the given if the age distribution percent individuals of a given age or age group is plotted for the population, the resulting structures is called age pyramid. For human population, the age pyramid generally show age distribution of males and females in 
a diagram. The shape of the pyramid reflects the growth status of the population, whether it is growing, stable or declining. The size of the population tells us a lot about its status in the habitat. Whatever ecological process we wish to investigate in a population, be, the, be it the outcome of competition with other species, the impact of a predator or the effect of a pesticide application, we always evaluate them in terms of any change in the population size. The size in nature could be as low as less than 10 for example, Siberian cranes at Bharatpur wetlands in any year or go into millions, for example, Chlamydomonas in a pond. Population size technically called population density, designated as capital N, need not necessarily be measured in numbers only. Although total number is generally the most appropriate measure of population density, it is in some case either meaningless or difficult to determine. In an area, if there are 200 parthenium plants, but only a single huge banyan tree with a large canopy, stating that the population density of banyan is low relative to that of parthenium amounts to underestimating the enormous role of the banyan in the community. In such cases, the percent cover or biomass is more meaningful measure of the population size. Total number is again not an easily adoptable measure if the population is huge and counting is impossible or very time consuming. If you have a dense laboratory culture of bacteria in a petri dish, what is the best measure to report its density? Sometimes, for certain ecological investigation, there is no need to know the absolute population densities. Relative densities serve the purpose equally well. For instance, the number of fish caught per trap is good enough measure to of its population density in the lake. We are mostly obliged to estimate population size indirectly without actual counting them or seeing them. The tiger census in our national parks and tiger reserves is often based on the pug marks and the fecal palate. 13.2.2 Population Growth The size of a population for any species is not a static parameter. It keeps changing with time depending on various factors including food, availability, predation, pressure, and adverse weather. In fact, it is these changes in population density that give us some idea of what is happening to the population, whether it is flourishing or declining. Whatever might be the ultimate reason, the density of the population in a given habitat during a given period fluctuates due to the change in four basic processes, two of which, natality and immigration, contribute to an increase in population density and two, mortality and immigration, leads to decrease. First, natality. It refers to the number of births during a given period of population period in the population that are added to the initial density second mortality is the number of deaths in the population during a given period third immigration is the number of individuals of the same species that have come into the habitat from elsewhere during the time period under consideration. Fourth, immigration is the number of individuals of the population who left the habitat and gone elsewhere during the time period under consideration. So, if n is the population density at the time t 
then its density at time t plus 1 is n t plus 1 is equal to n t plus in bracket b plus i minus d plus e. You can see that this equation that population density will increase if the number of births plus the number of immigrants b plus i is more than the number of deaths plus the number of emigrants d plus e under normal conditions births and deaths are the most important factors influencing population density the other two factors assuming importance only under special condition for instance if a new habitat is just being colonized, immigration may contribute more significantly to the population growth than birth rates. Growth Models We have been concerned about unbridled human population growth and problems created by it in our own country. And it is therefore natural for us to be curious if different animal population in nature behave the same way or show some restraints or growth. Perhaps we can learn a lesson or two from the nature on how control population growth. First, exponential growth. Source, food and space availability is obviously essential for the unimpedent growth of a population. Ideally, when resources in the habitat are unlimited, each species has the ability to realize fully and its initiate potential to grow in number. As Darwin observed while con developing his theory of natural selection, then the population grows in an exponential or geometric fashion. If in a population of size n, the birth rates, not the total number of, but per capita births, are represented as small b and death rates, again per capita death rates, are represented as small d, then the increase or decrease in capital N during a unit period time small t that is d capital n by d small t will be equal to small b minus small d into capital n let b minus d is equal to r then d capital n by d small t is equal to small r into capital n the R in this equation is called the intrinsic rate of natural increase and it is a very important parameter chosen for assessing impact of any biotic or abiotic factor on population growth. To give you some idea about the magnitude of R values, for the Norway rat, the small r is point. 0.15 and for the flower beetle it is 0 0.12 in 1981 the r value from human population in india was 0 0.0205 the above equation describes the potential or geometric growth pattern of a population and result in a J-shaped curve when we plot n in relation to time. If you are familiar with the basic calculus, you can derive the integral form of the exponential growth equation as capital N underscore T is equal to N naught E power RT, where N to the power N to sub T is equal to population density after time T and naught is equal to population density at time 0, R is intrinsic rate of natural increase and E 
द बेस ऑफ नेचुरल लोगरिथम दैट द वैल्यू इज टू पॉइंट सेवन वन एट टू एट एनी स्पीशीज ग्रोइंग एक्सपोनशियली अंडर अनलिमिटेड रिसोर्स कंडीशन कैन रीच इनॉमस पॉपुलेशन डेंसिटी इन अ शॉर्ट टाइम डार्विन शोड हाउ इवन अ स्लो ग्रोइंग एनिमल लाइक एलिफेंट कुच रीच इनॉर्मस नंबर इन द एबसेंस ऑफ चेक्स द फॉलोइंग is an anecdote popularly narrated to demonstrate dramatically how fast a huge population could build up when growing exponentially logistic growth no population of any species in nature has at its disposal unlimited resources to permit exponential growth This leads to the competition between individuals for limited resources. Eventually, the fittest individual will survive and reproduce. The governments of many countries have also realized this fact and introduced various restraints with a view to limit human population growth. In nature, a given habitat has enough resources to support a maximum possible number. beyond which no further growth is possible let us call this limit as nature's carrying capacity denoted by k for that species in that habitat a population growth in an habitat with limited resources show initially a lag phase followed by phases of acceleration and declaration and finally a asymptote when the population density reaches the carrying capacity a plot of n in relation to time t results in a sigmoid curve this type of population growth is called verhelsperl's logistic growth and it is described by the following equation dn by dt is equal to small r into capital n whole bracket k minus n upon k where n is population density at time t r is equal to intrinsic rate of natural increase and k is equal to the carrying capacity since resources for growth for almost or most of the animal population are finite and become limiting sooner or later the logistic growth model is considered as more realistic one Thirteen point two point three, life history variation. Populations evolve to maximize their reproductive fitness, also called Darwinian fitness, higher R value, in the habitat which they live. Under a particular set of selection pressures, organisms evolve toward the most efficient reproductive strategy. some organism breed only once in their lifetime example pacific salmon fish bamboo while other breed many times during their lifetime example most birds and animals some produce a large number of small sized offsprings example oysters pelagic fishes while other produce a small number of large sized offsprings example birds mammals so which is desirable for maximizing fitness ecologists suggest that life history trait of organisms have evolved in relation to the constraints imposed by the abiotic and biotic components of the habitat in which they live evolution of life history traits in different species is currently an important area of research being conducted by ecologists population interaction for any species the minimal requirement is one more species on which it can feed interspecific interactions arise from the interaction of populations of two different species 
they could be beneficial detrimental or neutral neither harm or nor benefit to one of the species or both assigning a plus sign is beneficial interaction minus sign is for determinal and zero is for neutral interaction both the species benefit in mutualism and both lose in competition in their interaction with each other in both parasitism and predation only one species benefits parasite and predator respectively and the interaction is determinal to the other species host and prey respectively the interaction where one species is benefited and other is neither benefited nor harmed is called commensalism in animalism the on the other hand one species is harmed whereas other is unaffected predation parasitism and commensalism share a common characteristic the interacting species live closely together first predation you can think of predation as nature's way of transferring to higher tropic levels of the energy fixed by plants when we think of predator and prey most probably it is the tiger and the deer that readily comes to our mind but a sparrow eating any seed is no less than a predator although animals eating plants are categorized separately as herbivores they are in a broad ecological context not very different from predators besides acting as conducts for energy transfer across trophic levels predator play other important roles they keep prey population under control for predator prey species could achieve very high population densities and cause ecosystem instability when certain a toxic species are introduced in a geographical area they become evasive and start spreading fast because the invaded land does not have its natural predators the prickly pear cactus introduced in australia in the early 1920s caused havoc by spreading rapidly into millions of hectares of rage land Finally the invasive cactus was brought under control only after the cactus feeding predator a moth from its natural habitat was introduced in the country biological control methods adopted in agriculture pest control are based on the ability of the predator to regulate prey population predator also helps in maintaining species diversity in a community by reducing the intensity of the competition among competing prey species in the rocky intertidal communities of the american pacific coast the starfish piester is an important predator in an exp- field experiment when all the starfish were removed from the enclosed intertidal area more than 10 species of invertebrates become extinct within a year because of interspecific competition if a predator is too efficient and overexploits its prey then the prey might become extinct and following it the predator will also become extinct for the lack of food this is the reason why predators in nature are prudent prey species have evolved various defenses to lessen the impact of predation Some species of insects and frogs are cryptically colored camouflaged to avoid being detected easily by the predator. Some are poisonous and therefore avoided by the predators. The monarch butterfly is highly distasteful to its predator bird because of the special chemical present in its body. Interestingly, the butterfly acquires this chemical during its caterpillar stage by feeding on a poisonous weed for plants herbivores are the predators nearly 25% of all insects are known to be phytophagous feeding on plant sap and other parts of plant the problem is particularly severe for plants because unlike animals 
they cannot run from the their varied predators plants therefore have evolved an astonishing variety of morphological and chemical defenses against herbivores thorns as in acacia and cactus are the most common morphological means of defense plants produce and store chemical that make make the herbivores sick when they are eaten inhibit feeding or digestion disrupt its reproduction or even kill it you must have seen the wheat callotropis growing in abandoned fields the plant produces highly poisonous cardiac glycosides and that is why you never see any cattle or goat browsing on this plant a wide variety of chemical substances that we extract from the plant on a commercial scale example nicotine caffeine quinine cytisine opium etc are produced by them actually as defense against grazers and browsers second competition when darwin spoke of the struggle for existence and survival of the fittest in nature he was convinced that interspecific competition is a potent force in organic evolution it is generally believed that competition occurs when closely related species compete for the same resources that are limiting but is not entirely true firstly totally unrelated species could also compete for the same resource for instance in some shallow south american lakes visiting flamingos and resident fishes compete for their common food the zooplanktons in lake secondly the resources need not be limiting for the competition to occur in interference competition the feeding efficiency of one species might be reduced due to the interfering of an inhibitory presence of other species even if resources such as food and space are abundant therefore the competition is best defined as the process in which the fitness of this one species measured in term of its r the intrinsic rate of increase is slightly lower than the presence of other species when the resources are limited the competitively superior species will eventually eliminate the other species but evidence for such competitive exclusion occurring in nature is not very conclusive strong and persuasive circumstantial evidence does not exist however in some cases the abingdon tortoise in galapagos island became extinct within a decade after goats were introduced on island apparently due to the greater browsing efficiency of goat other evidences for the occurrence of competition in nature becomes from what is called competitive release a species whose distribution is restricted to a small geographical area because of the presence of the competitively superior species is found to be expand is found to expand its distributional range dramatically when the competing species is experimentally removed Connell's elegant field experiment showed that the rocky sea coast of Scotland the larger the competitive and competitively superior barnacles balanus dominates the intertidal area and excludes the smaller barnacle chthalamus from that zone in general herbivores and plants appear to be more adversely affected by the competition then carnivores goss ex- competitive exclusion principle states that two closely related species competing for the same resources cannot coexist indefinitely and the competitively inferior one will be eliminated eventually this may be true if resources are limiting but not otherwise more recent studies do not support such gross generalization about competition while they do not rule out the 
occurrence of interspecific competition in nature they point out that specific species facing competition might evolve mechanisms that promote coexistence rather than occlusion one such mechanism is called resource partitioning if the two species compete for the same resources they could avoid the competition by choosing for instance the time of feeding and different foraging patterns macarthur showed that five closely related species of warblers living on a same tree were able to avoid competition and coexist due to the behavioral difference of their foraging activities third parasitism considering that the parasitic mode of life ensures free lodging and meal it is not surprising that parasitism has evolved in so many toxic taxonomic groups from plants to higher vertebrates many parasites have evolved to be host specific they can parasite only on single species of the host in such a way that both host and the parasites tend to coevolve that is if the host evolves special mechanism for rejection or resisting the parasite the parasite has to evolve mechanisms to counter attack and neutralize them in order to be successful with the same host species in accordance with their lifestyle parasites evolved special adaptations such as the loss of unnecessary sense organs presence of adhesive organs or suckers to cling on the host loss of digestive system and high reproductive capacity the life cycles of parasites are often complex involving one or two intermediate hosts or vectors to facilitate parasitization of its primary host the living fluke of the human the liver fluke a nematode parasite depends on two intermediate host a snail and a fish to complete its life cycle the malarial vector ne mosquito spreads other host majority of the parasites harm their host they may reduce the survival growth and reproduction of the host and reduce its population density they might render the host more vulnerable to predation by making it physically weak parasites that feed on external surface of the host organism are called ectoparasites the most familiar example of this group of ectoparasites are the lice on humans and ticks on dog many marine fishes are infested with ectoparasites copepods cascada the parasitic plant that is commonly found growing on the hedge plants has lots of chlorophyll in the leaves in the course of evolution it derives its nutrition from the host plant which it parasites the female mosquito is not considered as parasite although it needs a body for reproduction the female mosquito needs the blood of the human in order to produce babies as for completion of its oogenesis in contrast endoparasites are those that live inside the host body at different sites liver kidney lung red blood cells etc the life cycles of endoparasites are more complex because of their extreme specialization their morphological and anatomical features are greatly simplified while emphasizing on reproductive potential brood parasitism in birds is a fascinating example of parasitism in which the parasitic birds lay its egg in the nest and of its host and lets the host incubate them during the course of evolution the size of the egg of the parasitic bird have evolved to resemble the host egg in size and color to reduce the chance of birds 
host bird detecting it for the foreign nag and ejecting them out of their nest. Cuckoo, known as the quail and the crow, are given such examples for the brooding parasitism. Fourth, commensalism. This is the interaction in which one species benefits and the other is neither harmed nor benefited. The orchid growing in an epiphyte on a mango branch and barnacles growing on the back of the whale benefit while neither the mango nor the whale derives any apparent benefit. The cattle ergot and the grazing cattle in close association as as site you most likely to catch if you live in a ruled farm, rural or a farm area is in classical examples of conventionalism. The egret always forage close to where the cattle are grazing because the cattle as they move stir up and flush out the insects from the vegetation that otherwise might be difficult for the ergots to find and catch. Another example of commensalism is the interaction between sea anemone that has stings, tentacles, stinging tentacles and the clownfish that lives among them. The fish get protection from predators which stay away from the stinging tentacles. The anemone does not appear to derive any benefit from the hosting the clownfish. Fifth, mutualism. This interaction confers benefits on both. The interacting species, lichen, represent the intimate mutualistic relationship between the fungus and photosynthesizing algae or cyanobacteria. Similarly, the mycorrhizae are association between fungi and the roots of higher plant. The fungi help the plant in the absorption of essential nutrients from the soil, while the plant in turn provides the fungi with energy-yielding carbohydrates. Thus, most spectacular and evolutionary fascinating examples of mutualism are found in plant-animal relationships. Plants need to help the need the help of animal for pollinating their flower and dispersing their seeds. Animals obviously have to be paid fees for their service that the plant expects from them. Plants offer reward or the fees in the form of pollen and nectar for the pollinators and juicy and nutritious fruits for seed dispersers. But the mutually beneficial system should also be safeguarded against cheaters. For example, animals that try to steal nectar without aiding in pollination. Now you can see why plant-animal interaction often involves co-evolution of the mutualist, that is, the evolution of the flower and its pollinator species are tightly linked with one another. In many species of fig trees, there is a tight one-to-one relationship with the pollinator species of wasp. It means that a given fig species can be pollinated only by its partner wasp species and no other species. The female wasp uses the fruit not only as its oviposition laying egg site but uses the developing seed within the fruit for nourishing its larva. The wasp pollinates the fig inflorescence while searching for suitable egg-laying sites. In return for the favor of pollination, the fig offers the wasp some of its developing seeds as food for the developing wasp larva. Orchids show a bewildering diversity of floral pattern, many of which have evolved to attract the right pollinator insect, bees and bumblebees, and ensure guaranteed pollination by it. Not all orchids offer reward. The Mediterranean orchid, Ophirus, employs sexual deficit 
टू गेट पॉलिनेशन डन बाय स्पीशीज ऑफ बी वन पेटल ऑफ इट्स फ्लावर बियर एंड अनकैनी रिजेंबलेंस टू द फीमेल ऑफ द बी इन साइज कलर एंड मार्किंग द मेल बी इज अट्रैक्टेड टू वर्ड इट परसीव एज फीमेल सूडो कॉपुलेट्स विद द फ्लावर एंड ड्यूरिंग द प्रोसेस इट्स डस्टेड विद पोलन टू फॉर्म द फ्लावर वेन दिस द सेम बी सूडो कॉपेट्स विद अनदर फ्लावर इट ट्रांसफर पोलन टू एट एंड थर्स पॉलिनेट्स द फ्लावर Here you can see how coevolution operates. If the female bee's color pattern changes even slightly from any reason during evolution, pollination success will be reduced unless the orchid flower coevolves to maintain the resemblance of its petal to the female bee.